We're starting an evening Shia in the Mitzvah Mahavi now in the summer. We're going to have it Sunday nights and after the summer, we're going to change it to a different night of the week. But uh, this is supposed to be a Pasha class, that's the idea. You have 12 pages here, which means that you have plenty of homework. There's no way in the world we're reading all these 12 pages. But nevertheless, this is a topic, this is a discussion in our Pasha, which I feel is very interesting and compelling. And what we're going to try and do, I'm going to try this, we'll see how this works, is to learn this part of the Pasha using a variety of different mephoshim. This is the, the design, the model of this class is that we pick a topic and we explore it on a variety of different levels. So let's begin from the very, very beginning. What's the story? The story is, as you all know, I'm sure, that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was supposed to go to the Holy Land, was supposed to go to Etzisro. Notwithstanding that there were many Jews, men particularly, who were not especially enamored with the Holy Land, they didn't want to go into Yisrael, they preferred their spiritual lives in the desert. Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the spiritual of spiritual people, somehow to him it made sense that going into Yisrael was in fact a good idea. And he wanted to go into the Holy Land. And he was mamish mamish on the border of the precipice, of the threshold. And he did an infraction, nobody is even sure what he did wrong. You look in the Mepharshim, you find out about him hitting the rock, exactly what was his grace Aveda. The fact was that Hashem Fayachal punished Moshe Rabbeinu and he doesn't allow him to go into Eretz Of course it says in many Yisfarim, a very important point, that Hashem's not permitting Moshe Rabbeinu to go into the Holy Land was not only a punishment, or really on a deeper level, it was not primarily a punishment. But rather the Gemara says, the Gemara says, the Gemara says, the generation of the Jews in the desert do not have a portion of the world to come. Now why? What did they do so terrible? So the Al-Tarebbe says in the Kutateda, because Olam is physical. It's, no, no, that's not why. Because they didn't want to go into Eretz Yisrael. They wanted to remain in the spiritual realm of eating the mud and so forth. Olam Haba, according to the Ramban, according to Kabbalah, is a physical world. And they were, they were into spirituality, they didn't want... They didn't want to go to the physical world, therefore they don't deserve the final reward, which is a physical scenario, a physical situation. So the Chazal say, the Gemara says, Here's the deal. They don't have Elam Haba because of themselves. So the Ebishta makes an arrangement for Yoch. That their Rebbe, their Nasi, their leader remains with them in the Midbar, in the desert. And he certainly deserves the Elam Haba because he loves Eretz Yisrael. He's desperate to go into Eretz Yisrael. And um, since Moshe Rabbeinu is with them in the Midbar, and he certainly has a chelik and el the Rebbe says he's going to schlep. It says in Svarim, he's going to schlep his whole generation with him into Tchias Amesim. Although personally they forfeited Tchias Amesim because they preferred spiritual uh, reality, so to speak, to the serving Hashem in the material world. But Moshe Rabbeinu is going to drag them along with himself into Elam This is what says in many Svarim. The fact is that they didn't have a chelik. Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't go into the Holy Land. You find in the Chumash several occasions where Moshe is still hoping he can change the Ebishter's mind. The most famous is of course in Pasha's voice, Hanon, where the Chazal say that Moshe davens 515 times. 515 tefillas he's davening, hoping Kayochel to convince the Ebishter 
that he should have a chilek in Ilmabo, he should go into Eretz Yisrael, and of course the Abish tells him, Rav, Loch, Al Taisif, give it up, it's not happening, I'm not letting you go into the Holy Land. A similar, but though not an identical event, appears in Pasha's Pinchas, this week's Pasha, it's a very poignant moment in the Chumash, there's very few stories in the Teda that are as compelling as this little episode here. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I know that you love the Holy Land. I know, I know you love Israel. You want it, you love the Holy Land. But I'm not letting you go into the Holy Land. That's not happening. You're staying in the desert. And of course, based on what I told you earlier, the real reason for Moshe Rabbeinu staying in the Midbar is that his generation should have Tchiyasamitzim in his merit. But Moshe is stuck in the desert. So Hashem says to Moshe, I'm not letting you into the Holy Land. But I know how much you love it. So climb up the mountain and see it. I'll allow you to see the Holy Land. I'm not going to let you cross over, I'll let you look at it. This Pasha repeats itself almost verbatim twice in the Chumash. Once is in our Pasha, Pasha's Pinchas. And then again you have it in Pasha's Hazinu, I believe. In Sefer Dvarim, where Hashem says, climb up to the top of the mountain and see the Holy Land because I'm not going to let you in. What's Moshe's immediate reaction? Moshe's immediate reaction is Kapitol Chavzayin, Pasuk Let's read text. Let's read the good old Torah. You don't need any commentaries. The psukim themselves are so compelling. They're so powerful. Moshe says to Hashem Leimer. Now the whole Torah is filled with Here you've got it in reverse. One of the Midrashim say 174 times. I never counted. 174 times it says, "Vayadaber Hashem Moshe Leimer," and here you have "Vayadaber Moshe." Moshe speaks to the Eibushter, and it doesn't say "Vayoyimer Moshe." It says "Vayadaber," and I suppose you know that the word "dibur" doesn't simply note, denote communication; it denotes severity, toughness. Moshe Kvayochel is talking tough to the Eibushter. "Vayadaber Moshe Hashem." Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Moshe the Eibushter, and he's speaking in a tone of judgment, of gavurus, of severity, lamed. Now I've told you a thousand times that lamed usually means to repeat. God Almighty speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu, lamed, and he should tell the Jews what he's telling him. That's the translation of the word lamed. Which is why by the Ten Commandments, where all the Jews are present, and it says, Rashi says, what's the lamed here? They're all standing. Lamed means to tell somebody else. Moshe says to Hashem, Moshe speaking to Laban, who's God supposed to repeat it to? Exactly to whom? Vaydaber Moshe Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu, is talking gvuras, talking severity to the Abish, that Laban, as she says, you'll see in a moment, Laban means I want an answer. I want clarity. I want you to tell me what you're planning to do. What's Moshe Rabbeinu's issue? Yifkeid Adeshem Alekei Aruchas. Hashem, who is the God of all spirits, should appoint should count and should appoint to all of the flesh God Almighty is the He's the God of the Spirit of all living things a man of the community Hashem says to Moshe you're going to die Moshe's first reaction is who's going to look after the Jewish people Moshe Rabbeinu suffered with Yidin for 40 years you read in Chumash that in one occasion Moshe says to the Ebishter well Why'd you give them to me? I didn't give birth to them, they're not my kids. What's supposed to for me? Moshe is so exacerbated with the Jewish people's repeated rebellions. He says, 
Did I conceive this nation? Did I give birth to this nation? Has to carry around like a nursing child. But now that Moshe is passing away, his first reaction, Hashem says, climb to the top of the mountain to see the Holy Land, because you're not going there. Moshe's immediate response, what can do with the Jewish people? God, who was the God of all spirits, of all sensitivities and sensibilities, of all the flesh at a point, ish, a man, Allah over the community. Now let's read the Psukim. Asha Yetzelifname, who will go out in front of them. Vasha Yavalifname, and will come back leading them. Vasha Yetzim, Vasha Yavim, is going to take them out and bring them back in. Moshe says, You can't just leave me here and abandon the Jewish people. So that the community of God should not become Katsayim, like sheep. Turn the page, now we're on page 3. Asher Ein Lahem Roy, they don't have a shepherd. Moshe's first response is the concerns of a Yidin. So the Pasuk continues, Ayyemin Hashem and Moshe, the Almighty responds to Moshe. And Hashem Taka says, Ayyemenat Vayadav, and he speaks with softness and gentleness. And he says to Moshe, Kach Lachos Yeshua Benun. Take to you Yeshua, the son of Nun. And of course, the word Lachos is not necessary. It should say, Kachas Yeshua Benun. Some of the Sephardim say, Kach Lachos, take Yeshua, he's yours. Kach Lachos, take what's already yours, Yeshua, Joshua, who was the servant of Moshe Rabbeinu, the Leomish Metech He literally shadowed Moshe Rabbeinu, he never left him. He said, he's yours. He conforms to your requirement. He's a man of spirit. He's a man that has this quality that he's... And Rashi says, what is the translation of the word Asharuach Boy? He's so sensitive and so wise that he has a way of speaking to the, to the personalities of every different category of Jew. Sometimes there are people who can lead a certain group of people, but other people just, there's no chemistry. He will find a connection to Jewish people of every category, of every type. Place your hand upon him. Stand him up in front of Allah the priest. In front of the whole community. And empower him. Speak to him in their presence and they should see that he's been elevated to a position of leadership. And place some of your beauty, some of your glory, some of your grandeur upon him. So they will understand and see all the Jewish people will see that you have made him the leader and he will be your successor because you're going to appoint him, they're going to honor him. He should stand in front of the priest Allah and he should ask him in the mishpat, the mishpat means the, the mechanism of determination of Urim, of the breastplate of the Kayin God that the letters would light up and give communication. I want you to know that the Chazal say that the Urim Vitumim only worked for the Malach and for the Navi. So by Hashem saying to Moshe that Yeshua should speak to the Urim Vitumim, that's a clear proof. The Urim Vitumim, the Kohen Gadol's breastplate, which would, the letters would light up so that people would know how to address certain questions, only worked for Jewish leadership. It didn't work for a common Jew. So by the virtue of the fact that Yeshua is asking the Urim Vitumim, this indicates that he's going to be a leader like Moshe Rabbeinu was a leader. 
Lifni Hashem before God. Al Pivyaitu, according to his mouth they will go out. According to his mouth, they're going to come back in. Who he, the whole B'nai Yisrael, Itay, and all the Jewish people together with him, the whole community. So Moshe asks for a man worthy of leaving Klal Yisrael. He's not going to allow my, she- my sheep, my flock to be abandoned. You want me to pass away in the midbar? So Moshe says, fine. Who's my successor? Who's going to look after these people who I have so delicately and so gently shepherded and he has to be a person of quality he has to be a person of worth Slavishta himself makes the selection he says you should choose Yeshua he will be your successor one of the Mephoshim says but Hashem says to Moshe I am telling you who the successor is but you should you should pick it I want Yidin to see that you're choosing not I so there should be the sense of continuity so he asks Moshe Moshe does because Moshe says God Almighty commanded him he takes Yeshua he stands him up in front of the priest Elazar. In front of the whole community. He places both of his hands. Page 5 now. He places both of his hands on Moshe Rabbeinu. And he commands him and he empowers him. Hashem spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu for Paul Yisrael. Sarashi observed. Hashem said to Moshe, place your hand on Yeshua. Moshe Rabbeinu places both of his hands on Yeshua. Hashem says to Moshe, May hoidecha, v'loi kol hoidecha. Hashem says to Moshe, you will place some of your glory, some of your light on Yeshua binun, and not all of it. Says Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu was very generous. And he gave Yeshua whatever he could possibly give Yeshua in terms of the powers. But the Abish that gave Moshe Rabbeinu, he bestows on Yeshua and he gives him Whatever you could possibly give him, he gives him. But still the Gemara says, as I suppose you know, the Gemara says, Pnei Moshe, Kipnei Chama, Kipnei Yeshua, Kipnei Levana. That the difference, the disparity between Moshe and Yeshua was that Moshe Rabbeinu's face was like the sun and Yeshua Benun's face is like the moon. In other words, Yeshua's light was a light of the light of Moshe Rabbeinu and it was therefore diminished. But this is the story. Hashem says to Moshe, you're not going into Etisrael. And in fact, go up to the top of the mountain and go see Etisrael because you're not going to visit. So Moshe's first concern is what's going to happen to the Jews. And Hashem tells him to pick Yeshua. Now the portion of this story we're going to focus on, if you don't mind going back to page one, is the description of a leader. What is Moshe's request? Yivka that Hashem, Hashem should appoint Elakei Haruches, Lachol Basar, the God of Spirit to all the flesh, all living things. Ishala Eid, a man over the community. Right, I'm reading the first two psukim. Tezayin and Yudzayin. Asheyetil of name is going to go out before them. Vashayavin of name and will come back before them as well. Vashayetim, Vashayavim is going to take them on and bring them back in. So that Vleisiya Das Havaya. The community of God should not be sheep without a shepherd. So we want to focus on what's, what do all these words mean? There's so many words. I mean, as poetry, it's beautiful. But as Taylor, what is what precisely is Moshe asking Hashem? What is his demands of the Abish? Now, if you look at the first page and you can decipher my script, and if you can't, don't take it personal, it's with my handwriting, not with your eyes. I made a list. 
of what we're going to do. Okay, each page you have in front of you is numbered. Each page you have in front of you is numbered. Please turn to page six. We're going to begin on page six. On page six, we're reading a Yalkutimania Medrish, which discusses this event. That Hashem comes to Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, Moshe Rabbeinu, you're not going into the Holy Land, so appoint, so, so go look at the top of the mountain. Moshe talks about succession. So I wrote in the middle of the right margin, intro, you see? In the middle of the right side of the page, I wrote intro. We're going to read that, we're going to start with that. Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the Hebrew with a complaint, and he says, okay, I'm not taking in Yidin into Eretz Yisrael, Yifkid Avayas. So the Medrash says, Gvaldik. Moshe It is, by way of analogy, of a king. Shara Isha Achas Yisoyma. He finds a girl, an orphan girl, Nebuch. And Bikish Lisa Oysa, he wants to marry her. Shalach, he sends his emissaries, Tovabor. And he demands her, he requests that she should agree to marry him. Amra Loisa, she says to him, I'm not worthy of marrying a king. Right here. In the middle of the page. The middle of the page. Kedai is the first word on the line. If you can't find a place, please tell me. I, I do want this class as much as possible to be textual. I'm not worthy of marrying a king. So the king persists. Seven times he asks again and again and again. She, she was not easily giving in to the king, but through the multiple requests, not Allah, he took her. Time passes, and the king is angry with her. Now he wants to divorce her. Amra Loi, so this queen, this princess comes into the king and says, I need to be cash with the Nasir Lot. I didn't want to marry you in the first place. Atta Bakash to be many. You insisted I marry you. Hoyo Vikash Gazarta Legashani. Since you have now made the decision to divorce me, and I can't help that, she says, release Acheres and to marry somebody else, I'm just making one request. This girl that you're going to marry instead of me, promise me, you're going to stick with her. You're not going to divorce her. Taksiv. This is what Moshe says to the Nebani Shalelo. Moshe Hashem says to Moshe in the burning bush, remember? Now go, I'm going to send you to party. Moshe says, me? I can't even talk. Send somebody else. Seven days. Seven days. Hashem has to convince Moshe Rabbeinu, has to agree that Moshe Rabbeinu should leapfrog Yisrael, should marry Hashem, so to speak, and be his liaison to his people. Okay, yesterday and two days ago and three days ago, the whole Cheshmer now she gives. Seven days Hashem is convincing Moshe Rabbeinu to be his Shriah. But Omar Moshe, Moshe says, I'm not a man of words. Rachazman, finally, he said, 
Hashem convinces Moshe Rabbeinu that he should in fact accept the role of the Nasi, the leader of Klal Yisrael. And he went on Hashem's mission. After Moshe performed all the miracles on behalf of Hashem for Klal Yisrael, Hashem starts the Amalek, he tells him, you're not taking the nation into the Holy Land. Omale says Moshe I never asked to leave. Right? I never asked. You insisted. The Pasuk says in voice Hanan, where again Moshe Rabbeinu was negotiating on his own behalf. You started to show me all the miracles. As God your greatness, with your mighty hand, and so forth. And then, you're not letting me finish. You've decreed against me that I'm not going to see the end of what you insisted I start. I'm not going to enter into the Holy Land. But somebody else is going to go in instead. So Moshe says to Abish that that individual who's going to take Yidna to Yisrael, don't do to him what you did to me. Let him finish whatever mission he has to start. This is the meaning of the words. He'll go out leading them. When it's all done, when they're coming back and settling, and they're not maneuvering anymore. They're not in the journey state, but they're settling down. Yeshua bin Nun will still be the leader of Kali Yisrael. This is what the Medrash says. This is more, Rashi says this in a few words, but the signet, the tone of this Medrash is very, very emotional. Moshe says, you gave me a job that I didn't want. I agreed to do it. You're not letting me finish it. And Moshe, I accept, I'm a Kabbal Din Shamayim, I accept your divine judgment. But I'm asking you, my successor, let him finish whatever it is that you've given him to undertake, what you've initiated for him. And to be sure, if you look in Tanakh with Mavashan, I'm not so sure if in fact Yeshua finished his mission either. But this is Meshach Rabbein, this is Yifkeid Hashem. translates the Medrash. Meshach Rabbein says, please, I didn't ask for the job. Now you, you're taking the job from me. Please, I'm asking you that the person who's going to succeed me, let them finish the mission. It shouldn't repeat itself. This idea that the one who is given leadership of Yisrael doesn't get to see it through. This is the Medrash. Okay? Now let's go back to page one and let's see what Rashi has to say. And Rashi begins, my Rebbe Rabbi on page uh, page two. Page two. I, I numbered it. Two, three, and four. Well, this is one. Okay, so you see I made a bunch of arrows. I identified that the Rashi is right here. Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Hashem and he says, To teach us the praiseworthiness of the righteous. The departing from the world. They put aside their own interests. And they concern themselves with the community. Rashi says, Moshe puts Yidin before himself. What should be Moshe's first response? 
Please, Hashem, give me one more chance. He doesn't do that till Vashana. A few weeks around. After Tishavah, Meshach pleads his case. But Pinchas, right before the three weeks, Meshach says, what's going to be with the Jews? Leme. What does the word Leme mean? Leme normally means to repeat. What does Leme mean in this case? Omalayash, Meshach says to the Abish, Hashivani, answer me. Moshe says, don't ignore me. I'm asking a question and I want a clear answer. You're going to appoint succession. And of course, the Abishta does. And this is, let's read the next Rashi. Right? I, I skipped the immediate Rashi, but the one where I made the arrow. Three, yes? Can you follow? God of spirits. What does it mean, the God of all the spirits? Omar the son of Moshe Rabbeinu says, Rabbeinu Shalei, the master of the world. You, to you it is revealed and known. The personalities, the attitudes, the tendencies, the inclinations, the interests of every person. No two are equal. One of the unique characteristics of humankind, it says in the Gemara, the Gemara says, all of us were created in the image of other Marishim, and no two are alike. All of us are created with the same basic personality as other Marishim. And ain't they same Shavis, they ain't same Shavis. Human beings, Talfeb says in Tanya, and the start of Lashem Aleikeinu, you have ten people, you've got ten worlds, ten different centers, ten different essence from which ideas and attitudes and priorities radiate. Maneh Alehem Maneh, appoint a leader. Who should tarry each one based on their own personality, which is remarkable. A leader who doesn't have an appeal to a certain character type, to a certain group of people, but who can be a father taker to every Jew, notwithstanding how disparate, how diverse Yidin are. And he says in the next passage, that will go out leading them, says Rashi. Like it, it's not as is the custom of Gentile kings. And they sit at home. And send their soldiers to the front. Three lines from the bottom of the page in Rashi. Appoint a leader who will behave as I behave. I went myself to engage in the battle of Sihar in fact, Joshua did so. as it is written, Joshua himself went to meet this general, this officer who appeared to him in the camp, and so forth and so on. Okay? So what's the taich? Ashayetelif name. He's not going to sit back and relax and let other people go and fight battles. He's going to leave the Jewish people even in a difficult situation. Next, Rashi. That's going to take them out. In his merits, they're going to successfully go where they need to go. And he's going to bring them back in, says Rashi, in his merits, they're going to come back in. So there are two issues here, right? What does the Pasuk say? He'll go out before them. He's going to lead them back into the camp. It sounds redundant. It's the same thing twice. He's going to go out ahead of them. He's going to come back ahead of them. And then it says, Asheyetziyam is going to lead them out, Asheyetziyam is bring them back in. It's the same statement twice. It says, Rashi, the first one describes function. The second describes the person. First, what he's going to do, he's going to lead. 
But Hashem He's going to take them out in His tzitzis and His righteousness and His merits. Hashem and He's going to bring them back in also with Zacharyosav and His merits. Davar says actually another interpretation. This is what the Medish that we just read. He will bring them back in. Taiches Rashi. Do not do to him. What you're doing to me. Page three now. I'm not taking them to the Holy Land. Just turn over the package. Yeah, he says, they, He should finish what he starts. He takes them out on a mission. He takes them out on a purpose. He takes them out on an endeavor. He should, he should complete the task and bring them back to the place of rest. This is Rashi's analysis of what Moshe was expecting. Moshe is one our leader, a Rebbe, who understands every one of them. And he will lead all of them in his chus, and he will personally lead. He won't hide behind his royalty and his pomp and his honor and so forth and so on, and let him finish what he starts. Now, according to our list, we need to read Sepornu. The bad news about Sepornu is that it's tiny type. The good news about Sepornu is that he's very concise. Page 2 at the bottom. Page 2 at the bottom. The Sepornu offers an interesting alternate insight. The Pasuk says, you should appoint the God Almighty who knows the spirits of man should appoint a leader. So the Jewish community should not be like sheep without a shepherd. Translates the Sepunu as follows. We should lead them out when it comes to battles. Right? And of course, Vashayavi means you should bring them back from battle. Vashayitsiyah, you should take them out, translates the Sepunu, Binyani and Hoges Hamadina. Not everything about a civilization is war. There's also peace, there's also ordinary life, there's also infrastructure, infrastructure, governorship, leading. Says the Sepunu, he should lead them in times of crisis, Muhammad. Vashayitsiyah, Binyani and Hoges Hamadina. If you're familiar with the last century, the history of the last century, there were few personalities who were exceptional leaders, but they were great leaders for particular purposes. Winston Churchill is one of the greatest leaders in the history of humankind, but he was only good for a war. In peacetime, he was too dogmatic, he was too black and white, he wasn't political enough. Certain people are the right person for the right job at the right time, the right place. Some people are great at being what they call wartime president. We've had a few of those. And then that same person in peacetime doesn't know what to do. It's a certain type of personality. Then you can have peacetime presidents. They're very good what they call in politics good domestic agendas. When there's an international crisis, they plot. So the supporter of this leader should be a great international leader and a great civic leader. Push it in Balabatisha terms. He shouldn't just be qualified to deal with the big deals, the big issues. He should be able to deal with the elementary, the, the ordinary, the conventional governments of a civilization. Binyani and August Ahmadina leading the people in the day-to-day way. And in a way that's more difficult. Because it's small. If you think about it, in peacetime, in peacetime, the greatest distinction of a president could be that you don't even know what he's up to. <laughs> Today in America, every politician thinking about the change of the revolutions they can make and the legacy that he's going to have. But a real leader, should, if he's thinking about his nation, 
and there's no famine, and there's no war, and there's no hunger, there's no starvation. His role is to maintain status quo, and it's not so easy to do. It's subtle. And then Rashi, the supporter continues. Ish Asher Ruach, boy, turn to page four now, please. A man who had a spirit in him, it's the right side at the bottom, says this to Pornu. Ish Asher Ruach, boy, says this to Pornu, Mucham Lekabal Ebnei Malachan. A man who was worthy of receiving the light of the countenance of the living God. In other words, somebody with Ruach HaKadosh. So the Pornu translates this Pasuk as being three issues. Asher Yeti Lefneim, means in times of crisis. Asher Yetziah means in normal times, in ordinary, conventional things. Um, and then when it says, a man who has the spirit of the in him, he translates that he's worthy for Ruach HaKadosh. These essentially are the three requirements for being a, a leader of Kral Yisrael. You can deal with crisis, you can deal with the everyday, and the Abish speaks through you. This is what the Sipurnu says, Moshe Rabbeinu is requesting. Okay? What's next on the agenda? Again, the Yalkut Shemani, which is on page 6. This is an interesting Yalkut. And I'll do something. If, you know, if I had time and, and all kinds of other requisites, I would read this Medrash to you and then tell you to figure out what it's saying. It's a very interesting Medrash. It's a very interesting Medrash. And I think it's a very deep Medrash. It's on top of page 540. It's 6. Item 6. You see it? The Medrash is saying that Maisha Rabbeinu says to the Abish to God Almighty, appoint an individual. You are the Lakeruchas, the God of all spirits. Appoint Ishalaid, a man over the community, says the Medrash. Again, you know what? I'm going to read the Medrash. You tell me what it means. Magid, the Medrash is teaching, the Medrash is saying, the Parsha is teaching us. Listen to these words, okay? Shekal Haruchas. All of the spirits, do not exit only before God. Which means to say, any time an Ishama has to go into this world, it passes by before Panim, the face of Hashem. Meaning to say, when he's up in Ghanayim, he's not necessarily before God. But when the Ishama journeys into this world, he passes by the Panim of the Eibishtim. Says Rabbi Yezid, the son of Rabbi Yezid, Simen Zayyehei B'yadcha. Take this as a sign. She calls man she'adam nasan b'chayim. As long as a person is, is alive, physically alive, nafshay pekuda b'yad koyna. His soul is counted, is guarded by his maker. Shanema, the Apostle says, Asher b'yadeh, Hashem holds in his hands, nefesh, the souls, of all people who are physically living. Mace, when someone has passed away, someone is not physically alive, the Sunnah Hashem is not holding your soul, the soul is in the treasure. Shanamal, as the Prophet says, the soul of my master should be bound up in the bundle of life. Now, it's a very strange message. You tell me what it means. That when a person is physically alive, Hashem holds his soul. Person's neshama goes to Ganeidin. <laughs> he's in the what am I saying? He's in the kennel. He, he's he's, he, he's <laughs> whatever the word is. Bottom line is, when a person is physically alive, David's just holding his soul, 
as a person is born, his soul passes by the face of Atma Sayyidah Baruch Hu. Passes away. So it's okay. Sayyidah Chaim isn't bundled up in the bundle of life. David is busy. It seems so counterintuitive, no? Shouldn't it be the other way around? When a person is in Ghanaian, he's in the presence of the Abishtas. The Medrash is saying, Dafka, when the Nishama comes out into this world, the Nishama passes by before the Abishtas, and the Abishtas holds on to the soul. So Mrs. Bogomilski says, because it's all about this world. It's about making a home for Hashem in this lowest realm. Does anybody want to disagree? We are dealing with Jews. There's got to be other opinions, otherwise it's a Shailam, the Yiddish guy. <laughs> Huh. Also, he kind of tells the Shama, the Father, leave me. This is an ideal. Okay. Anybody? Episavot? Somebody? What Mrs. Bagnuski is saying is true. But I want to tell you what it says in Hasidus. Hashem blows into his nostrils a breath of life. So Altrebbe brings in Tanya from the Zoyar. Man de nofach When one blows, they blow from their innermost point. When a shaming ganeidin is not blown, when the shaming ganeidin is teherehi, brasa, yitzarta, nafachta, when the neshama comes into this world, vayipach. So it says in Hasidus, that when the neshama comes into this world, he's empowered by the Eidish, they with koiches, that the neshama doesn't have in ganeidin. And these koiches talk come mepnimius, and the pnimius of Atmos of Eidish. So Meish Rabbeinu says to the Eibishter, Eleke haruches l'chol basar. I'm not talking about Neshamas and Ganeidin. Neshamas and Ganeidin, I hate to use these words, but it'll make the point. No big deal. Ruches l'chol basar. The way the life of a soul converges and comes one with a physical person. This is where your Elekai, where your power, where your godliness is manifest. When Neshamas comes into the physical world, that's to navigate through the difficulties and the complexities and the confusion and the entanglement and the subtleties of this world, the soul is empowered by the God Almighty, who is the God of all the spirits, as they relate to physical life. Very interesting medrash. So Meshach Rabbein is saying, I don't want a Rebbe with a holy man that lives in the clouds. <laughs> I want a Rebbe who lives in this world. That is, Nisham is in this world, not just Technically, but he lives in this world, that his connection to the reality of the world is practical and constructive. That's a Jewish leader. That's a Jewish leader. And this is what Moshe Rabbeinu is negotiating with the Eidishti. Oh, this is like Valdi Kekasha. The Lubavitcher Rebbe asked the question before you, so... <laughs> the question is, Moshe has to tell the Eidishti what to do, I don't understand. But the Eidishti doesn't know. And the Abish is not planning to do it. What's it going to help Moshe telling him? This is the Rebbe's Kasha, and that's the last few pages of the, of the stack. I'm giving myself an hour to learn. In other words, I, I've done 40 minutes. I, I came as early as I could. It's officially till my, I, an hour. Okay, we'll be here 20 more minutes. And I, I'm going to save a, for, a certain number of minutes for the Rebbe's Sikha. But this is the Rebbe's question. Why does Moshe tell the Abish what to do? I think... I'm pretty sure that the Abish can figure it out on his own. And the Rebbe has a very nice insight. We'll get to that later on. But let's continue our plan. And by the way, whatever we don't finish, you do on your own. I'm going to do a test next Sunday. We'll see how well you do. Okay, this is Al-Bag. Al-Bag is, it's one particular. It's very controversial. 
I still am not decided if I should learn it with you or not. Now, Bag is Mr. Controversy. Page 7. And to be sure, if you wanted, you could say that the Bag is very consistent with the medrash that we just indicated. I want to give you a background, okay? I want to give you a background. The problem is, what I'm about to say in two minutes, I need two hours for. Two hours to speak and then two hours to answer questions. So, <laughs> we're touching the tip of an iceberg of a very, very, very controversial iceberg. But we'll do it anyway. We, Chassidim, of course, we believe in Ashbacha Pratis. It's the centerpiece of Hasidus. It's the Bashemta's teaching of Ashbacha Pratis. Everything's with the divine hand. There's no accidents. We are taught, Bashemta teaches, that Ashbacha Pratis is also on Daimon Tzemeach and Chai. Hashem's Ashbacha touches everything. Hashem oversees personally and individually and in detail what happens not just to people or animals or plants but even minerals. Every tiny component of God's creation He personally creates and animates constantly and He governs. The previous level says not only is the Hashgoch HaPratis that Hashem is personally involved in every minutia of everything that's happening in every single creation but that each point is Negea Lakos Chavona Sabria. Every tiny little thing is centrally important, which is beyond human comprehension, beyond comprehension altogether. But we are always taught that there's no such thing as mistakes in Hashem's world. But you should know that a lot of the Rishonim didn't say what the Baal Shem Tov says. The Rambam, and of course the al saying that there's two concepts of Hashgacha. Hashgacha Pratis, where they just zeroes in and pays personal attention. And the other is called Hashgacha Klolis, Hashgacha Klalit. He oversees things in general. What this means is a long story. And the Rebbe Sichas, the Rebbe finds a way of showing how these two basic schools of thought can be merged. They don't have to be a machlaikis. But we were taught everything is Bashgacha Pratis. The Rishayim say that not everything is Bashgacha Pratis. Human beings, Hashem is involved with Bifratis individually, and animals is involved with Bikrolos. And Hasidah says, in people you could see the Hashgacha. In animals you don't see the Hashgacha. Based on this, the Rabak says as follows, arrow 7, page 7, yes? Yifkana v'shem v'lakeharuchas v'chobos, a God Almighty should select, should count, and v'lakeharuchas, the God of all the spirits, v'chobos, to all the flesh, ishala aid a man over the community. So again, what is the meaning of the words v'lakeharuchas v'chobos that translates the Rabak? Moshe is saying to the Eidushter, he's asking him, Dovor, he's making a request to the Eidushter, who miyuchas ala hashkocha pratis. Moshe is saying to the Eidushter, please focus. Zero in. Connect specifically to my request. In other words, Hashem is involved in the whole world. Hashem is involved in the whole world because the whole world is one big thing. Hashgacha Pratis means Moshe says, please pay attention specifically to this detail. Because Moshe is asking Hashem, and he's therefore appealing that Hashem should, so to speak, zero in on one point, he says, This is rooted in the, so to speak, in the wisdom of Koyachal of the Abish. And therefore, the God of the spirits of all living things, in other words, 
he governs the souls that is given to every single man. That Al-Bad's Pshat is. Meshach Rabbeinu is saying, Hashem, you run the whole world. I know. And you run the lives of Jewish people also. But it's all part of a lattice. It's all part of one universal awareness. I would like you to have a specific, a focused connection to this particular issue that I am raising. And he therefore calls the Abish because in Ruches, in human beings, in the Nishamas of people, the Ashgacha Pratas of the Abishta is evident. And he's saying to the Abishta, please pay attention to this request just like you are on the Ruches. In a way, you could say that this Ravag is a little bit like the Medrash we just had. That when the Nishama comes into the Guf, the Abishta, so to speak, focuses in. And he connected to the word Seichel. For those who are familiar with Lashna Chakira, there's a Madrega called Seichel Apoyel. And when he says, Mishada Seichel, he means Seichel Apoyel. You don't know what it means? In Kabbalah language, you call it Malchus of Atzilis. Don't worry about it. But this is what he says. That Moshe is saying, please, give special attention to this point. And he therefore calls the Eibish Teda Lekeharuchis. Okay? You got it? Thanks for nodding. Okay. Now, because of time restraints, we're going to skip the Al Sheikh. Go to page 9. It's a very interesting Shalah, Kaddish, it's a Shalah. What does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Yifbid Elokim Lekeharuchis, the Chobosah, Ish Al Ha'edah. Which is redundant. He should go out before them, he should come in before them. Right? He should bring them out and take them back in. What is this redundancy? So the Shalah says a shame of Chetala. He says like this. I want to. The Shalah Kaddish wrote a Peter Shanchumish. The Shalah is an amazing Savior. It's mamish and unbelievable Savior. It's one of those books that whatever you want, you can find. You can find Pshat, you can find Musa, you can find Drush, you can find Kabbali, you can find Hasidus, you can find Avas Yisrael. The Shalah is a chock full of Yiddishkeit. It's just packed with Torah. It's unbelievable. One of the ideas that's very common in Shalah is what it calls Lashen Nigla Venistar. The Torah speaks duplicitously, doubly. There's a story. And if you pay attention to the story carefully, you see that there's actually two layers. The drama is happening on two levels. The classic example for this is the Shalom and Pasha Yishlach, where he tells the story, the whole Pasha of Yankov and Esav, the, f- the physical power play in the politics, and at the same time, the same words, the same Sukkim are referring to Yankov and navigating the Sadish of Esav, the officer of Esav. So here too, the Shalom uses this terminology is Nigla Nista. Speaks to the and he says, the game you should appoint. demands of the You should appoint right now somebody, right now. That's what revealed. Revealed means that now Hashem is going to appoint a leader. The Yaimalei Gam came, but he's also saying something subliminal, a deeper shot, a secret. Said Hakomus, the secret that is concealed. And that is, Esmi. Asher Yifkei, Biachar Esayomim. 
Whom is he going to appoint at the end of times? Moshe is asking Moshe two things. Who's going to be the leader now? And I want to see Mashiach. That's how he translates it. Okay, number be careful. This is the redundancy. Who will lead them out and bring them back in is referring to who's going to be the leader right now. Moshe is asking Hashem two things. He's not asking him one thing, he's asking him two things. He's asking who's going to lead them now and tell me about Mashiach. The Heish of the Akadosh Baruch Hu Shneim and the Eibush to answers both of his requests. Ata now, Kach Lachas Yeshua, take Yeshua Benun. And in addition, the head of the Kol Adelis that Mashiach Moshe Rabbeinu is shown by the Eibush to all generations till Mashiach to Kenu, Kedis of Medrash. Here comes a very very interesting idea which has to be studied. The head of the and Hashem shows Moshe Rabbeinu Eich Adelis Mismach and the generations are diminishing. And the implication is not just the generations are diminishing, but the leaders are diminishing. Mashiach. So Mashiach will come. He will be beautified with grandeur and with beauty. The diminution begins immediately. Yeshua is already a step down from Meshad Abayim. So Meshad Abayim says, tell me who's going to lead them now and tell me who's going to lead them in the future. Perhaps the chapter is Meshad understands. Moshe understands, I'm going to pass away, Moshe says to himself. And there's going to be a diminution, it's going to be less. Yeshua, relative to Moshe, is like the moonlight versus the sunlight. So Moshe asks Hashem two things. Show me the leaders now, notwithstanding that they're going to be less than me. And show me the leader who's going to shine as brightly as I'm shining. Show me Mashiach Tzadkenu. This is Moshe Rabbeinu's request. I want to see what's going to happen now. And I want to see the end of the story when there will be the full grandeur, the full light, the full beauty of Jewish leadership. Okay? And he brings, he goes into a whole elaboration how we see that Yeshua was a diminution compared to Meshach Rabbein. Now, Mariba Rabbi say, I, when I was reading this Shalom, by the way, you could read the whole next page, I made an arrow, that's all we're going to do, because I want to go to the Sikhah. When I was reading this Shalom, a, 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 a thought dawned on me. Meshach saying to the Ebishter, Yifkeda Deshem Avakeruchas Nechobos Eishalayim. Meshach recognizes that another Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to be for a while. The next Moshe Rabbeinu on this caliber is going to be Mashiach Zedkin. So he says, I want you to show me the leadership now, but I want to see, I want to see the end. And the Shalach Kodesh says, this is called Nigla Venistin. Moshe wants to see two dimensions, two planes. So as I was preparing this, a thought crossed my mind, and I'm going to share it with you. The Chazal say, the Gemara says, that Yafra Kayach Aben Mikayach Av. It's possible for children to exceed their parents. In last week's Pasha, you have Mona Ben Pras, a Dao, the son of 50 cents. <laughs> Bilam was Mona Ben Pras, and Bolak was Mona Ben Pras, a Dao, the son of 50 cents. They were greater than their fathers. Rashi says it, you'll pay attention, you'll see it. <laughs> People don't, you know, what does it mean, Mona Ben Pras? <laughs> but that's what it means. A Dao, the son of 50 cents. So, the Gemara says, it's possible for children to exceed their parents. That a child can be greater than his father. That if in fact, a son, children, exceed their parents, the truth is, that too they took from their parents. In other words, even though on the surface their parents were less successful, less achieved, less accomplished, and the parents were 
But there's such a thing called Kechas Nalamim. Our parents give us hidden resources. Resources that they themselves perhaps do not know that they possess. And they give them to us nevertheless. So, even if children exceed their parents, it's from their parents that this excess is extra taint. So I'm saying, I'm thinking, Moshe says to them, show me Yeshua. And show me Yeshua's successor. And the succession that is diminishing Yitzhak Deiris, then Mashiach is going to come along and is going to shine a bright light which is equal to my arm. And show me how the bright light of Mashiach was actually given to him from the successors who follow me and precede him who were not able to manifest the light fully, but Mashiach takes it from them anyway. Even though that Mashiach is overtly greater than they are. His, his light shines as bright as that of Meshach Rabbeinu. All the leaders in the interim are less than Meshach Rabbeinu, but Mashiach's light is going to be the light of all of these leaders and all of these generations of Klal Yisrael. It supposedly were not as effective, as successful as Mashiach will be, but Mashiach takes all the characters from them. This is, this is a way of understanding the Shalom Kaddish. It's an interesting Shalom. And now, with the remaining eight minutes, or six and a half minutes, let's do the Rebbe Sikh. The Rebbe Sikh begins on page 10. And the Rebbe asks the question that was indicated earlier. If you look on page 10, the left side of the page, there's a 10 that's circled. Yeah, it's supposed to be 10. Maybe it looks like something else. Uvachain, Dvarim, Uvachain, Dvarim, El, This is very, very strange. You see what I'm reading? Page 10. Hashem doesn't understand himself that the Jewish people need leadership. Hashem doesn't know himself. That the person who's going to lead the people has to be an unusual personality. Oh, by the way, don't take the local shoemaker and make him the next Rebbe. Pick somebody who's worthy. It's like a Valdeke Kasha. And the Rebbe has a Gavalika Tenets. And that's on page 11. Okay? And let's read, let's read, let's read. The first arrow, yeah, there's only one arrow on the page. Haben Chomish Lemikra, Lomitzar Pashas Tisis. This child's been learning Chomish. And there's an assumption, which I guess in today's day and age should not be made, but in the times of. I don't know what. It's a good assumption. You learn the Chomish in order, from Bereshis till the end. So he already learned Pashas Kisisa. And what did he learn? A funny story. Hashem, the Jewish people make a golden calf. Moshe Rebbe breaks the tablets. Even before he breaks the tablets, Hashem says to Moshe Rebbe, permit me, allow me, I'm going to wipe this nation off the face of the earth, and we're going to start over again with you. That's what it says. Permit me, I'll wipe them all out. And Moshe says, no, no, I won't permit you. Thank you, Lachter, is this? Hashem says, please allow me, give me permission, I'll wipe them out, and we'll start over with you. So Moshe says, no, I don't give you permission. So Moshe says, please, Moshe says, no. Wait, that's not how the story goes, but you get the point. And Moshe says, okay, you're not going to let me? Then I won't do it. Wait, look. Permit me. Rashi says, Moshe hasn't done yet. What is Hashem saying? Permit me. Moshe didn't even begin to say anything. It was Hashem's words that evoked Moshe's prayer. 
when Hashem says to Moshe, permit me, Moshe says, hmm. That means he's telling me I don't have to if I don't want to. I won't. The Abish that says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm giving you a possibility to daven. The Abish that says to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you won't let me, I won't do it. For idea, he informs him, Shadover Tolei Bay. It's dependence upon Moshe Rabbeinu. Shem Yispalalei If Moshe will daven, he's not going to wipe them out. Kalaimit, in other words. Yes, there are those things, Shachadosh Baruch Hu that Hashem by Himself, so to speak, behave in a particular fashion. Hashem takes his request this night to conduct himself Hashem's plans can be altered by man. The Ebishta gave us a koyach to daven and daven he works. If the koyach will change the so-called divine plan. Let's talk about our scenario. Meisha yada amma. Meisha knew. When he took them out of Egypt, he appointed a leader, himself, going to lead them, follow them. And all the other attributes necessary to be a trusted, a loyal, a reliable shepherd. was a golden calf. There's a reason to be concerned. How is Hashem going to govern the Jewish people after Meshach Rebbeinu passes away? And listen to the issue. Listen to the issue. The child learned after the making of the golden calf to ask Hashem several things. Hashem dav, Moshe Davis Hashem for a few things. What's the first issue? Don't kill him. Shalai lekalat chas neshalom is nei Saul shouldn't wipe them out. Va'atzehut zechlit and v'leiman he went as far as to say im tisach atoslem haritev if you forgive them good v'mayim mecheni no if you're not going to forgive them then take me out of his nefesh But Moshe makes other requests. What's another request? Hashem says to Moshe, I'm going to send a malach. Says Moshe, a malach? We're not moving. <laughs> You're sending an angel to lead us to the Holy Land. We'll stay right here. When Hashem agrees, and He says, Hashem says to Hashem says, I'm going to send an angel. So what does Moshe say? Angel? I'm not going. Moshe says, If you're not leading us personally, notice the word Panim. Don't move us from this place. Turn the page. The safe shall go, but it was only in the final analysis. Hashem says, okay, I'll take you myself. But you have to know that when Moshe Rabbeinu negotiated with the Ebesh, you should have looked at the Bafash and Mishpatim. It's a beautiful topic. How this whole drama with the Malachim plays out. Moshe Rabbeinu says to the Ebesh, I don't want no angels. If you don't take us in person, we're not going. Hashem says, fine. I'll lead you personally. But to your Talmud, I'm sending an angel. In other words, Moshe didn't get 100%. The Jews, before the golden calf was made, Hashem personally led Kral Yisrael. He was personally supposed to lead them into Eretz Yisrael. When they make the golden calf, first he wants to wipe him out. And Moshe says, wipe me out with them. Hashem says, okay, we'll save him. 
Hashem is sending a malach, Moshe says, we're not going. Hashem says, okay, I'll lead you myself, but only you. Your successor is going to connect to me through a malach. Moshe did not completely overturn the negative effect of the ego. It remained that a malach was going to lead Yeshua. And this is what Moshe Rabbeinu was negotiating with the Eidish. The final analysis, this changed. The Prophet says, A Malach appears in the camp and he says to Yeshua, I have come now. I didn't time to make Moshe Rabbach. Your master Moshe wouldn't take me, but you're stuck with me. A Malach is going to lead the Yidin to this row. Or the father Shrashi in Yeshua, I will remain Moshe Rabbach, boss, he will wake up with me. I came to your Rebbe Moshe, he sent me packing. So when Moshe is davening to the Abishta, what is he davening for? To convince the Abishta to appoint a leader? To convince the Abishta that this leader should get as much courage from the Abishta as is possible. He already knows that Hashem is not leading in person, he's leading through a Malach. But Moshe wants to get at least whatever his fillers could impact that Moshe's successor Yeshua should get extra help. And requested, Hashem agrees, I'll take you personally. Moshe passes away. Hashem is no longer leading Yidin personally. You need to have a Malach. Correct? Skip down two paragraphs. 2656, the middle of the page. This is what Moshe is He's not davening because Hashem doesn't know what to do. He's davening because he knows that Hashem knows what he's doing. But he's hoping to make it a little bit better for Yeshua. That the connection with Nebuchadnezzar and Yeshua should be a little bit more direct, a little bit more intimate, a little bit more generous. Do whatever he can to secure the fact and for this reason and he requests Moshe knows that his prayer is going to benefit his talents. Shame. Okay.